Welcome to the Inside Out Theory with Christy Lee Manning, a podcast for the performing artists. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Inside Out Theory. Today's episode is sponsored by House of Jazz Artist Development Program, a four-week program in London, UK, where we train your trilogy, mind, body, and soul. I truly believe it's just as important for artists to train their mindset as much as we train physically and creatively. So whether you are a new graduate or a professional artist looking to re-spark their career, we encourage you to join us as we open your mind, challenge your body, and inspire your soul. This program only happens twice a year, and it is truly life-changing. For more information, please visit houseofjazzcompany.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Inside Out Theory podcast. My name is Christy Lee Manning, and today we are going to speak about anxiety. I just had a live Instagram conversation with a very good friend of mine, Raffaella Covino. She is the founder of Applause for Thought, which is a charitable organization that supports the mental health and well-being of performing artists. If you don't know who she is, please check her out. She has invaluable knowledge, resources, and experiences to pull from when she speaks. She creates so many incredible platforms for us to learn from and have support from. Um, And she is definitely filling what I believe to be a hole in this industry um, in regards to the support of our artists and their mental health. So please, when you have a second, um, do some research and connect with her on uh, the appropriate channels. Um, I believe she is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for sure. And then of course, the Applause for Thought website. Um, And I wanted to speak to you about anxiety because I always leave speaking with these people in my life vibrating so high and having so much passion for conversation that I just have to sit down and and record my thoughts because I feel like that's going to be the most authentic way um, for me to converse with you and therefore the most powerful way for you to probably learn. Because if I'm trying to teach you something, you're probably not going to learn very much because I'm tr- I'm coming from a, a place of, of lack, which is what we speak about so much on this podcast. Um, but instead, if I just come on with this overflowing sense of uh, passion and excitement and um, just vibration and energy, th- it will no doubt, hopefully, <laughs> no, no doubt and then hopefully uh, fill you up. Um, because you will be, you will, you will, I will bring you on to my vibration, which is, which is what she does when I speak to her. I love talking to her because I always learn something always because she, the difference between our relationships with anxiety is I experience anxiety, but I don't have medically, um, how would she say it? I, I don't have, uh, medically, what is the word? Um, not affirmed. I am, I have not been medically diagnosed, I guess, with anxiety. I'm sure she would say that in a better way, but, um, whereas she, she does, she does have a, um, a medically diagnosed, that's the word I wanted, diagnosed. Uh, She has been diagnosed uh, with a form of anxiety, whereas I have not, but we have both experienced anxiety. And um, I just, I learned so much from her and how I can help other people that are in my community and my family um, by listening to her, people that have anxiety or experience anxiety, I, I can, I learn so much on how I can be a better educator for my world, my tribe, but also, um, I learn more about myself. And the first time I spoke to her, I realized how much I experience anxiety and how anxious I am more than I realized. And for me, what we were speaking about today or trying to speak about and technology was getting in the way a little bit. Um, but you got to go with the flow. You, you, you got to accept what is, um, which she, she is very, very good at. Um, my experiences with anxiety have come from one or two places and let's talk about both. It has either come from me 
living in the past or future and not being present, which we have spoken about. So we'll talk a little bit a little bit more about that in regards to the the theme of anxiety and how that pertains to anxiety. But also, if I'm not in line with my values, that has created a lot of um, anxiety for me. So the first one, I would say, if I am not living in the present, and I am living either in the past or the future. And what tends to happen for me is I start in the past and end in the future, because usually that's what your ego does. It grabs onto the past and it makes your, you feel fearful in the present that this is going to happen again in the future, which is what gives you that, that experience of anxiety. And so when that's, that's also kind of the foundation for me of when my overthinking starts to begin. And, um, and then I get caught in this kind of whirlpool where I know I'm overthinking and I'm quite aware that it's happening, but it feels so real at the same time. And therefore I have a hard time distinguishing the difference between, um, what, let's see here, I have a hard time distinguishing what's real and what's not because I'm thinking it and now I'm also feeling it. And usually when I'm feeling something versus thinking something, I can, I can differenti- differentiate between what's real and what's in my head. But when they're the same, when the thinking brain and the feeling brain are kind of living in the same place. It's hard to distinguish. And that is something that um, we that changes our perception and changes our reality is the belief that if I'm feeling it, it must be true, which is also not true because our emotions are also tied to the past. So there's a beautiful Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer is a uh, beautiful um, author and has written incredible books, life-changing books uh, for people about um, spirituality as a whole, I would say. And he has this beautiful analogy or metaphor where if you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Juice. But what kind of juice? orange juice, not apple juice. So you're probably thinking, Christy, where are you going with this? If you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out, not apple juice, in the sense that if you have pain inside you, pain will come out. This is why I always say that hurting people hurt other people. Hurting people hurt other people. If you don't have pain inside you, you will not cause pain to other people. I don't think we will ever be in a place where we have no pain. However, I might be wrong. I don't know. what I, From what I have learned and experienced so far, I don't think we'll ever be void of pain. But I think we can drastically change develop, evolve, and get better at how we deal with our pain. And this is the foundation of of why I do what I do, why I have these conversations, why I want to bring up these conversations, um, why I teach what I teach, why I'm so passionate about talking about the things that I talk about is because I want to help. I originally started this journey trying to save people from pain realizing that that was impossible and now trying to um, instead do trying to save people from pain is something that's out of my control. And it's also outside in. Whereas what I can do is I can turn my pain into education and knowledge and understanding and vulnerability and bravery and courage. And I can instead try and help people understand how to better deal with their pain by how by how I've dealt with my pain and also understanding that a lot of their pain isn't necessarily theirs to carry. 
and how there's so much pain in the world that we it's recycled. There is so much recycled pain and that's what's causing wars. That's what's causing addiction. That's what's causing. It's not, I'm not saying it's the only thing that's causing all of these things, but there's so much recycled pain that have been passed down from like, think about it. Think about your family, your great grandmothers and, and all of their experiences and how different the world was when your great grandmother was alive. Okay. Being passed down to your grandmother. And now think about what kind of pain your grandmother would have learned from your great grandmother and also take into account the world that she lived in and maybe the lack of understanding for um you know one's emotions and feelings and egos and was ego even a word and understanding back then like who knows what conversations they were having and so then that being passed down to your mother so now your mother has your grandmother's and your great grandmother's pain, any un, undealt with, any unhealed pain. It's been recycled now twice. And of course, your great grandmother had to come from somewhere, but let's not, you know, get out of, too out of control here. <laughs> but then, so now your mother has their pain, but she also has her own. So then she's, you know, subconsciously dealing with the possibility that she could be carrying around your great grandmother's pain, your grandmother's pain, her own pain. And now here comes you. Right. And so you're, you're living in this world and you're like, you know, trying to process and learn about yourself and experiencing anxiety and, and possibly depression and, or addiction or, or just, you know, trauma of, of all sorts, because like we've spoken about before, we can't get through our childhood without some kind of trauma, whether or not it's trauma to somebody else's eye, but to that child, it was traumatic. Right. So now we have four generations and we're sitting here with all this recycled pain and we don't know what to do with it. And no wonder that there's, you know, all this this war and hate and pain and judgment and and negative energy being turned into school shootings and and I'm not sitting here trying to say you know your great grandmother's pain is the reason why there's there's school shootings in in America but I, what I am saying is there's so much recycled pain in the world because we I don't think we've ever been taught how to deal with our pain and even more so how to deal with pain that's not ours, but we have now picked up and are carrying around thinking that it's ours because somebody handed it to us. We didn't realize it or not. Someone put their garbage in our backpack and now we've been carrying it around. It's not just our lifetime's pain that we may have. We could potentially have generations of pain, of lack of understanding, of lack of conversation, of lack of acceptance, that now we're trying to process. And so I think there's a massive hole in the support system of our education on a whole where we're not taught how to deal with pain, ours or otherwise. And that is something that I massively want to address because I think that a lot of that has to do, yes, with anxiety which is what we are supposed to be talking about on this podcast. <laughs> so it's just, so back to, I guess, what I experience when um, I'm experiencing anxiety, that first example of not living presently and therefore having the pain from the past and the, the fear of the future the pain of the past, the fear of the future. Wow. Is that a coincidence? Two P's, two F's. Interesting. Um, create anxiety in the moment and then having the future or the, is that the word I want to use? No, not really. Having the additional stress of, well, now I'm not only thinking it, I'm feeling it. So it must be true. Our emotions are quite often tied to not what's happening in the present, but they are triggered from the present. So going back to the analogy of the orange juice, when we squeeze an orange, what comes out? You can't squeeze an orange and have apple juice come out. So you, if I have hate, if I have pain inside me, then pain is going to come out and it might come out on somebody else and, you know, it might cause somebody else pain. But if I have love inside me, then love will come out. And of course we both have both, 
right? But we're not, we're never void of either, I don't believe. So we need to understand that it would be beneficial if we understood that a lot of the emotions and feelings that we have in the present moment aren't necessarily present. What's present is the situation, is the atmosphere, is the experience, but the emotion tied to what we just experienced or perceived to have experienced is quite often tied to something that happened in the past, which is why we quite often might get very angry or very sad about things that don't line up with the current situation. So you might feel frustrated with yourself sometimes because you are experiencing an emotion, a a very high emotion. Um, What do I mean by high emotion? You might be, let's change that dialogue. You might be experiencing an emotion on a high level. It might feel quite strong. And there might be some judgment that comes into your head because your your thought, um, your thinking brain let's say, comes in and uh, passes judgment on how you're feeling versus what just happened. And I feel like we've all had that experience where we kind of maybe calm down. Maybe it happens in the moment. Maybe it happens later when we have calmed down, or maybe it's happening whilst we are <laughs> um, in in the moment, in the situation. And it's a, and, and it judges you for feeling the way you're feeling. You shouldn't feel this way. Of course, it uses the word should because it loves to prove that you're wrong and it's right so that you will listen to it, right? You shouldn't feel this way. This isn't a big deal. Why are you so upset? Um, what else could it say? You know, don't be a pussy. Who knows? Like, calm down. You know, no one likes a crybaby. Why are you so angry? Why are you so aggressive? Like, why do you care so much? Um, so, so many judgments for how, for how you feel. And what's, what I find ironic is that both voices are coming from the past. Like you're, when you're present and you're in abundance and you're in line with your true self, there is no judgment because there's no, the foundation of judgment can't build you to abundance but it likes to tell you that it can. It likes to tr- it loves to try and fool you that it can. And this is why I why I always say the same voice that brings you down can't be trusted to build you back up because you can't build abundance from a foundation of lack. It doesn't work. You can't work yourself into abundance if you're doing from a place of lack. You will just never run out of things to do and you will never feel satisfied. And this is the rat race that most of us are unfortunately on because we don't understand the difference between our ego and our intuition or our true self and our false self and what thoughts are real and what thoughts are connected to our past trauma of essentially underlying belief that we're not good enough, which is what the ego created in the first place so that it could continue to make you to do shit right? Because it loves doing. The mind loves working. If it's still, it doesn't have a job and it thinks it's going to die. And then it freaks you out and then it gives you anxiety. (laughs) It doesn't give you medically diagnosed anxiety. It gives you the experience of anxiety. So this this is why quite often it's tricky and it's difficult to understand what you're experiencing and understand your perception from, um, a place where you are not only thinking it, you're feeling it, and now your emotions are involved. So again, we're going back to that place of, well, if I'm feeling it, it must be true, but your your it, your emotions are also tied to the past. So I lost my dad, oh, I don't know how many years ago. It might be 17 years ago now. That is wild. Is it really that long? And we all experienced our grief at different times as children. There was five of us. And quite often, you know, there would be, there would be masses amount of tears coming from one of us after spilling a glass of juice. We weren't crying over the juice. We, we, you know, there were a lot of things that led up to that moment of maybe we, maybe we had been numbing, maybe we had been pushing down our pain, you know, 
our body is actually quite phenomenal at uh, processing um, shock. I think it's quite incredible what the human body can do to help you survive such a painful experience as death. Um, And so every single person experiences shock and grief differently. And so when that grief needs to be released, it can happen when you spill a glass of juice. You know, you might have been holding it in for so long that it finally has, you know, you do something, you're disappointed in yourself. And that tiny little trigger just lets all the tears come out because it needs to, because it needs to, I find it so fascinating that we, we, we don't want to, we desperately don't want to um, feel certain emotions. But in so instead of releasing them, like I understand it, because we don't want to feel it, we might not want to express it. But the only way to release it and not be hanging on to it anymore is to let it come out unapologetically expressed. But we're so terrified to do that, and understandably so, that we actually keep them all in a little jar. And we don't want them. We don't want them. We don't actually want them. Think about it this way the next time. I know there's there's a lot to unpack here, and we won't get into it. But how funny is it that we don't want these emotions on some level, but yet we keep them locked in a jar inside of us so they can't go anywhere. But we don't, we don't even want them there in the first place. We're just, we would rather, the payoff is, we would rather, we don't want them, but we'd rather hold on to them for dear life and keep them locked away in a little jar until they fill up so much that they involuntarily, quote unquote, um, explode, because that's better apparently, than letting them express themselves and release themselves when they feel the need to do so through us. Because again, those emotions are tied to things from the past, but they're not, they're not in the present. They're not in the now. They're just being triggered by something now. But it's the same as if, like, if you have beliefs about yourself that you're that you created, limited beliefs, right? That you have about yourself that you're afraid are actually true and you don't want them to be true. And someone says them, they're going to trigger a lot of pain. But if you don't have a belief, if someone, for example, I'm very lucky that I've never, I don't believe in any way, shape or form that my body is perfect, but I've also never had a lot of hangups or limited beliefs or stories. Um, about my body. So if someone was to come up to me and say, Christy, you're fat, that wouldn't really provoke any sort of emotional reaction because there's no past trauma that I've experienced around being told, being worried that I was overweight, um, that that was never taught to me by somebody else that has never surmounted to be a, a limiting belief for me. So I, there's no part of me that would really, you know, be that, um, hurt or, or triggered by somebody saying that. But if someone said, Christy, you're not talented, that would drive the hardest knife into my heart because there has been so many experiences where I have heard No one's ever said those words. I don't think. (laughs) Maybe I have to do a little bit more research. But no no one's ever said those words. But through other words and through experiences, through lack of conversation or over-conversation or lack of attention or any other type of experience like that, I have been taught as, as, you know, a child and as an adolescent multiple times that I'm not talented. And so that that is something that I'm desperately not only terrified to be true, but something that I have worked very hard to try and prove wrong. But my ego created that belief and therefore the need to prove that I was in fact talented from a place of lack, from a place of 
I don't believe I'm good enough. So I'm going to have to overcompensate here and try and get as much external validation as possible, which has never been enough and it will never work. But that, that triggers an emotion that I have felt in the past because of the trauma that I've experienced. So that's why there's emotion there on that. That's why there's pain there on that. Does that make sense? So quite often when, you know, you're feeling something and you're thinking something and then you're feeling something and then you have that belief of, well, I'm feeling it, therefore it must be true. Remember as well that your emotional feeling brain is quite often also tied to the past. And just because you're feeling it doesn't actually make it not true. It just could be a trigger to something that you once believed to be true, are afraid it's going to happen again because you don't want to experience that trauma again. So then you want to bring yourself into the present and find that stillness and recognize that a lot of the pain that you're experiencing in the now is recycled pain from the past. And what you can do with that pain is you can buy into it or you can look at it and go, what can I learn about myself here that is possibly no longer serving me? It's, 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 it's a sign. It's a, it's a roadmap. It's um, an arrow. It's, you know, something that needs healing, that is asking for healing, not for you to necessarily buy into or believe to be true in the now. We're, we, we can always choose happiness in the now. We are always more than enough in the now. And so you want to look at those experiences and go, this is an opportunity for me to heal something in the past that is potentially affecting my present. And if I don't address it in the present, it will affect, it could affect my future. Because if you let it, that pain continue to live in your subconscious, it's going to continue to weigh in on decisions that you make. Then we get into you, you know, acting from a place of self-sabotage because you have unhealed pain from the emotions and the trauma that you've experienced. And that weighs into the decisions you make. My perfect example of that is I know that I don't have time to say yes to every single invitation that I've, I'm given and every single invite to have a cup of coffee or have a FaceTime or have a conversation about your career or what have you, I, or, or parties or gatherings or whatever dance classes. Like I can't, there's such a rich abundance of, of opportunities to connect with people, but I can't say yes to all of them, or I'm missing the opportunity to connect with myself, which is the most important one. And the more I connect with myself, the more I want to have more time with myself. That's the most beautiful thing is the more I find myself wanting to connect not even wanting. The more time I dedicate to connecting to myself, the less I want to spend actually connecting with other people because I've realized that I'm not actually connecting. I'm draining. I'm allowing them to suck the energy out of me until I'm so tired that I leave. But then I leave and have no energy left to connect with myself. And I've given all of myself away to other people. So in those moments, you have the opportunity to heal because I was aware of the action of self-sabotage, for example, that I would say yes to things and then later go home and go, I don't want to do that. I'm very aware that I can't be continuing to say yes to things, but yet I keep doing it and then later leaving and going, why did I do that? Why did I get so passionate in the moment? It's because I wanted to please the other person and I also wanted to be liked and I also wanted to make them feel important. So now I've self-sabotaged and I put my needs second and theirs first and now I'm miserable and now I'm going to have to go back and say I actually can't commit to that and now they're going to be upset. A lot more upset than they wouldn't have been if I originally in the moment had said I can't commit to that right now but thank you so much for inviting me. And so that that is this subconscious still grasping to that unhealed pain and feeding that pain to the belief of I'm not good enough. And therefore you have to make everybody like you. And that means you have to say yes to everything. Wow. 
So that, um, that creates a lot of anxiety and that is a perfect lead up, I think, into me, um, experiencing anxiety through not, um, being in line with my values. So when I first moved to London, I, I've always had very strong values, but I haven't, I've had a lot of peer pressure. I've accepted a lot of peer pressure. No one, no one can make you do anything, can they? Um, really? There's always a choice, isn't there? That would be an interesting conversation. Um, there was a lot of pressure to uh, try and gain what I thought success was through the same path as everybody else. And, but my values were strong, you guys. Like I created so much unnecessary pain, um, work. I was exhausted because I was basically trying to feed two needs. And the needs were, please listen to your values, which is, was my true self screaming at me because these will actually make you happy and you have incredible ones and they're insanely powerful and you're insanely powerful and you're terrified of it. But let's get over that because we have some life-changing shit to do here. So stop feeding into the other crap that your thinking brain is feeding you. And let's move on, shall we? Because like, we're ready. We're so ready. We're so abundant. We have so much to talk about. We have so much knowledge. We have so much passion. Let's just get on with it. And then I had my ego going, you know, my, my thinking brain going, um, you know, you're not, you don't know enough. Who do you think you are? You can't, you know, you're not famous. You, uh, no one knows who you are. You haven't danced with anybody famous. So nobody cares who you really are. You're not actually that talented. You definitely weren't born to be a dancer. There's so many things wrong with your body. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And that's what makes a good dancer. And you can't do any of those. So you're not even a real dancer. In fact, you're a fraud. Um, and uh, your choreography isn't anything really special. So that's not going to work. And um, like I, I could go on and on and on. And so I don't know how I got wrapped into this might have to be another conversation, but I got wrapped up into, you know, you see what happens in front of you and you think that that's the path you need to take, give or take. So, you know, you move to a new country and if you're a professional dancer, you know, the first thing, if you're successful, one of the first things you do is you get a dropping class because that's what everybody else does, right? So you, you, get a drop in class and you're trying to make that successful. And then you're realizing that, you know, nobody really knows who you, who you are. And so your ego is grabbing onto that going, well, you're not, you, if, if you were successful on any level, then people would be coming to your class, even though they had no idea who you were. Like just the most ridiculous excuses and justifications as to why the ego must be right, that you're not good enough. It just, it like, it is endless the amount of ammunition that it can find, which is why you can't fight it. You can't find, fight ego with ego. You can't, you just, you have to, you have to get off the treadmill. You have to actually step off it. You have to stop running. This is the scary thing. Nobody wants to stop running. Everyone's like, okay, if I just run a little bit harder, or maybe if I just change my shoes, or maybe if I just move countries, or maybe if I just move houses, because my flatmate's energy is actually really my problem here. And, but that could act, that could be an issue. Like your environment could be an issue, but Quite often, we change houses, we change countries, we change locations, we might even change friendship circles, we might change. Some of these absolutely can definitely weigh in on your happiness. I'm not saying that at all. But if you have found that you've changed all these external things and you haven't changed, it's because you haven't, and you're not happy, you haven't gotten off the treadmill. You've just changed your outfit and changed the gym and maybe even changed the treadmill. That's the other thing. Well, maybe like, Maybe I can keep going. I'm just on the wrong treadmill. I'm on the wrong career path. So maybe if I get on another path, but I keep running as if I'm running from something or to something that I can't see, like I'm, it's, it's, it's everything's focused again behind me or in front of me. If I just keep running, eventually I'm going to see it. I'm going to get there. You're already there. You're already, we're all already there. There is no there. And this, this is, 
this is the thing. People don't want to stop running. They're terrified to stop running because they don't want to be left behind. But you could be running in the completely wrong direction for your whole life and have no fucking idea because you didn't get off. You didn't get off. It could be so much powerful for you to step off that fucking treadmill and be still for a week. Oh God, let alone an hour. You want me to be still for a week? And then have the impulse and the intuition to start walking somewhere else that no one else has gone before, that no one else deems as successful, right? Like that's you're you could be walking, you could be sauntering, you'd be you could be crawling in line with your values and be way happier than running on the treadmill of values of other people. And that's what success is. That to me is what success is. Success is acknowledging and accepting what you want to do and who you want to be despite what everyone else in the world is doing. Who the fuck cares? Because really, when you think about it, I'm going to say something really controversial here. Maybe it's not. We'll see. You can let me know. I want you to think about the vast majority of the world, putting in quotes, okay? Obviously, I don't, maybe I want to word that different. Think about your world. Because let's not try and understand things that we we can't possibly understand. Like I can't sit here and name every single country in the world. So let's not try and understand every single country or, or every single person in the world. But look at your world and then think about the people in your world and go, how many people's opinions do I actually care about? How many people's opinions do I actually value? I bet you it's not that many. I have very few. I will be totally honest with you right now. I like a lot of people. I respect less. And I value the opinions of people's even less than that. There are not many people whose opinions I actually take into account to weigh in on how I live my life. Very few. Because I, how do I answer that question? Because why? <laughs> because, uh, ooh, that's tricky. Because I feel like I am transitioning from a world where most of the people in my world are focused on external validation. And I am attempting the road where I don't, I no longer buy into the belief that external happiness will make me, external validation will make me happy. And because I think I'm living in transition, I am therefore still discovering a new tribe. And so I'm currently not surrounded by as many people who have chosen a similar path to me than I am of people that had chosen the same path that I had originally chosen, which was running on the treadmill. So, but think about it. Like, it doesn't mean these people are bad people. It doesn't mean that you're more or better than other people. I don't, the second that you believe that, the second you're also not in line with yourself. You're just in line with entitlement and entitlement is just fear and entitlement is just ego. Entitlement is I'm the best. Everyone else is the worst. Therefore I deserve special treatment or entitlement is I'm the worst and everyone else is the best. Therefore I deserve special treatment. It's totally, totally unbalanced, but really take a second and think about how many people, because we, we put so many people up on pedestals and we put so many people above us and when but when you do that you put yourself below you can't put somebody else up without putting yourself down you're either on the same level or you're not and everyone is of equal value they're just of different they're in different we've all experienced different things and we we are at different places of experience and that's it and but i think we put so much value on other people's opinions when if you really think about it do you really value 
their opinion. It's like putting a, a picture on Instagram and going, I want everyone to like this, this picture. Everybody like my post. But if I turned to you and said, do you like everybody that follows you? Probably not. Do you do you respect everybody that follow, follows you? Maybe not. Do you value the opinion of everybody that fo- that uh, follows you? Probably not. But at the same time, you're sitting on the other end going, I don't know if I really like you. This is probably subconscious. But I'm asking you those things now. But before I asked you those things, you were probably sitting there going, I hope everybody likes my picture. I hope everybody likes my post, even though I don't even know if I like you, but I want you to like me. And I want you to like everything that I do. Why do we need people to like us? I again, I know why. It's it's we desperately want to be liked by everybody, but we don't like everybody. We don't like everyone, and that's good, and that's that's okay. I think that's just so fascinating, and that's probably a completely other conversation. So, <laughs> I'm I'm in London, and I'm trying to teach these dance classes, and. You know, I'm finding I'm I'm struggling because this is not the environment I want to teach, but I hadn't been exposed to the path that I wanted to be on. I hadn't yet met someone, but I did eventually met seeing how there could be a different option. So I'm in pineapple, you know, teaching dance but wanting to have conversations about why a certain girl in class keeps looking at the floor and and no part of me wants to yell at her, get your eyes off the floor, because I know that's not going to help. What I actually want to do is look over at her and say, can we talk about your self-confidence and the beliefs that you have about yourself that are not true? And let's unpack them because that's what's really making you look at the floor. Let's let's just get into let's just get into the truth here. I can't do nobody wants to have that conversation in pineapple. You have Pineapple is a dance studio in London for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. You can't do that. I can't do that in a drop-in class. You've all paid seven, eight pounds, whatever, to be here for an hour. You want to learn some choreography. You want to film yourself. You want to put it on Instagram. You want to feel good about accomplishing something that day or going to class that day. Or maybe you do just genuinely want to feel good about doing the thing that you loved that day, whatever. And you want to go home. Like there's this, that was not but that's where my values were battling each other. Like I was, or my brains, and I was out of alignment with, you know, my actions. This is what it is. My actions and my values were out of balance, were out of sync. They weren't working together. I was teaching in an environment, and it's not to say that I don't love teaching dance, and I don't love teaching at Pineapple, and I don't love, you know, that outlet. I love to teach dance, but it's not the only thing I love to do. And I actually like to do it a lot less than I thought. This is what I actually want to do more because I believe that it's more beneficial because I believe that I have a lot more to offer than I can just teaching dance. There are so many teachers out there that are so good at teaching movement. I think I have a lot of things that I can teach in a dance class that you know, are unique to me and maybe not necessarily movement, but maybe musicality or intention or character or, or audience, um, interaction, performance quality, whatever, um, initiation of movement. There are things for sure that I love to teach, but there are, there are definitely, you know, other teachers that are just so good at teaching that weekly class, giving you guys exactly what you need. I just, I get way too invested in people. I want to see you grow. I want to see you get better. I want to see you unpack the bullshit that you've been carrying around your whole life and get rid of it so you can fly. I, you know, and it just, but I didn't understand how I just didn't see that that could exist. And for a while, I was actually blind to it. Like, I just thought this is what my dance classes would be like. I would try my best to give people what they wanted, but then would always eventually fall into what I would call like an Oprah speech and talk about, you know, feelings and, and, and ego and insight and, you know, whatever mental mental health and well-being in general and so it but i was miserable because i i was in the environment that i thought was my only option to be an educator but it was so out of line with my values because i felt like 
the way I had to get people to come to my class, I didn't give a shit about. Like, I didn't care about social media. I didn't want to, you know, like, I don't actually really necessarily have, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say this anyway. I don't know if I have a passion per se about the actual movement itself. It's the how you do it that makes me passionate about it. And, um, I, you know, I was in worlds, I was very much sucked into like a very commercial contemporary world. Um, and contemporary commercial, commercial contemporary, whatever. And, and there was so much conversation in my world that was happening that I just didn't care about, but I wasn't around people that cared about things that I cared about. So therefore I thought I was weird and, um, strange and different and had to conform in some way. Uh, and the option for creating something else completely different just wasn't in my mind for a while until one day it was. And I don't really know. I'll have to think about that more as to how that all came about. But what eventually ended up happening was you know, I had some, I did have some very good close friends that were, you know, I would be working incessantly at things I didn't care about, like trying to make up really cool choreography and, you know, that looked good on video and trying all these weird promotions to get people to try and come to my class. People weren't coming to my class because I was so out of line with myself because I wasn't teaching. And I was also trying to get people to come to my class that were going to all the other classes that I was trying to be like, and just, you know, People will find you if you're, you're, you, if you're unapologetically, authentically you, your tribe will, will come, they will follow, they will find you. But I wasn't, I was still battling, you know, I was still out of, out of alignment of my values. And I had very good friends that would be like, Christy, you don't care about this stuff. Like, this is why you're so tired and exhausted and frustrated because you don't actually care. And you know, finally, eventually I was like, you're right. I don't really, I like, I don't care. Like I don't, I, I don't, I would constantly bitch about it, but then not change anything. Like I'd be like, this is so stupid. Like I don't care about posters in class, like promotion and whatever. And I'm not saying that other people shouldn't care. Like if, if, if that, there are so many people that are so good at, like I said, giving that weekly class and, and, and marketing it, um, authentically to them. And I'm so grateful for those educators because if they weren't there, what classes would we all take? Like what classes would I get to take if people didn't have the passion to teach a weekly class? Like, thank God for them. What would we do? Like, thank God not everybody's like me. There'd be no classes to take. So, but I was doing all these things and bitching about it and, but still doing it and thinking there wasn't any other option. And then finally, I realized that there was, and I created a different environment like the Inside Out Theory, like House of Jazz Artist Development Program, where I could teach what I actually wanted to teach and people actually wanted to hear it. And that was beautiful. And that's when I finally was able to line up my values with my actions and that anxiety disappeared. So that's just some food for thought. I think we talked about... I don't know if this podcast ended up or this episode ended up actually being about anxiety. I think it ended up being, you know, a, a, just a <laughs> mashup of, of Christy's brain and where it can take her when she likes to talk about the things that she loves to talk about. Um, but I hope that gives some insight into maybe if you're experiencing anxiety, um, what you know, maybe, maybe there were things that I talked about that, um, you have experienced and, and it can give you a little bit of guidance and a little bit of insight into, um, how to better understand and process it, whether or not it's something where you are experiencing past pain and emotion and trauma and not living in the present, um, and trying to fight that, um, or I was going to say fight resistance where you're giving into that resistance and trying to fight the, um, your kind of souls, um, or your true self's desire to heal as opposed to, you know, it's not ever really trying to get you to re-experience the trauma or re-experience the emotion. It just wants you to heal. It wants you to heal so you can be free from that experience, uh, much like we talked about when we spoke about uh, forgiveness. Um, 
And or are you completely living outside of your values? Are your actions in line with your values? What are your values? And quite often our values might have been handed to us and not actually developed on our on our own, which is something that Raf was speaking about today, which was really cool, which I wish we could have spoken about more. Maybe one day we can get her on here and she will. But quite often our values, our values are taught to us. And as we grow up and develop ourselves and the more we connect with ourselves, whether we're realizing it or not, as artists, I think we are always connecting with ourselves, whether it is subconscious or conscious. But we develop our values and I don't think values can be taught. I think that we can definitely value similar things to other people. Like we can see the value better. Maybe that's a better way of saying it of of why other people value certain things. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're our values. I think we develop our own values. And so my my request for you today is to sit down and ask yourself where, what are my values? And did, did I learn them? Was I taught them? Or have I, am I acknowledging what my true values are? And, um, from there looking at your values and going, okay, am I actually acting or my actions acting in line with my values or is there a disconnection there? And is that what's possibly creating my experience of anxiety in this time? Because that definitely was what it was for me. Thank you guys for listening to the ramble. Um, I hope this was insightful and uh, beneficial for you in some way, as always. Uh, I love it when people can learn from my past experiences. This is why we have these conversations and um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Inside Out Theory. We are so lucky to have you as a part of our community and very grateful for your support. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to follow us on iTunes and Spotify, join our online community at Inside Out Theory, and share this episode with a member of your tribe. Remember, we are all stronger together. Thank you for listening to the Inside Out Theory. We encourage you to speak authentically, feel openly, and live inside out.